I'm going to start reading in verse 4. I'm in chapter 2 and verse 4. And let's begin reading right there. Since he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Stay me with flagons. Comfort me with apples. For I am sick of love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that you stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. And it is verse 7 that I am particularly interested in. I'm going to read it again, and then I want to show you two other times where it pops up in this song. It says, I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. If you'll flip over to chapter 3 and verse 5, you'll find that repeated again. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, by the rose and by the hinds of the field, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love, till he please. And then again in chapter 8, it's not the entirety of the other verses, but most of it is here. Verse 4, Song of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 4. I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, that ye stir not up, nor awake my love until he please. And so we find that um, refrain, if you will, if you think of this in terms of a song, whenever there's a few lines that are repeated over and over, they call that a refrain, or we might think of it as like a chorus. In fact, as far as I can tell, and I might be wrong on this, I might need somebody to check up behind me, but as best I can remember and as best I can tell, looking over it quickly, that's the only verse, the only lines that are repeated like that over and over. Maybe I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. You might find that a couple times. But as far as that many lines, that thought right there, and so when something's repeated over and over, there's an emphasis that's being placed on that. There, there, there is a, uh, a, an intentionality of drawing our attention to, uh, to this thought that is in that verse. And I, I've preached on the, the drama of fellowship, and I've preached on this morning about the drawing of fellowship. And tonight, I want to preach on the delicacy of fellowship. The delicacy of fellowship. And when I say delicacy, and when I use the word delicacy, a lot of times we think about I think something is a delicacy, something is, uh, 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 something is highly esteemed, or something like, you know, they say, uh, you know, uh, some kind of fish heads or something, or monkey brains is a delicacy in Africa or whatever. That's why I'm not in Africa. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm using the word delicacy as something that is easily broken, something that is fragile, something that could be destroyed or something that could be divided very, very easily without much effort at all, something that is delicate. And that is our, I would say our fellowship with God is something that is delicate. And that's what we've kind of been 
centering our thoughts around as uh, the Lord's been feeding us through the Song of Solomon is emphasizing this idea of fellowship. That's the theme of this song, the fellowship between a husband and a wife. And then, of course, as we apply this to our own life, we don't just apply it to our marriages, but we can apply it to our relationship with our heavenly bridegroom. We are in fellowship with Him. I, I hope that you know what it's like to enjoy fellowship with uh, with Him. I, I want you to notice a couple things before we get to verse number 7 about our fellowship with God. I, I see first of all in this text, I see something about the provision in His fellowship. The provision in His fellowship. Verse number 4 says that He brought me to the banqueting house. He brought me to the banqueting house. Now I don't know everything there is to know about this banqueting house, but I know what a banquet is and I know what a house is. A banquet is a big meal. A house is something, you know, got a roof over your head, something you go inside. Best I can tell, this banqueting house, I think we would call it the fellowship hall is what it is. It's a place where you go and eat and fellowship is enjoyed. Some have suggested that this text right here, this verse 4, introduces the, the, the bride as she comes into the reception hall. The wedding ceremony has taken place and she enters into that reception hall and, and uh, they're having this, uh, this wonderful wedding feast is what is going on here. And he is in the, she is in the banqueting hall. He is providing. Now, these days, uh, uh, the, the, the bride, the family of the bride pays for the wedding and... Uh, but in Bible days, it wasn't like that. The family of the groom or the groom himself really paid for the wedding. Well, having three daughters, I think that's a great idea. Amen. And uh, whoever wants to marry my daughters, I just want you to know we're, going, we're doing it the Bible way. Amen. We're going to do it the Bible way or we're not going to do it any way at all. All right. I'm just kidding. Y'all can go to Vegas if you want to, but uh, uh, and go to Elvis, I guess. But, uh, but anyway, I'm not looking forward to paying for weddings is what I'm trying to say. All right. But in these Bible days, it was the groom. So at this banqueting house, it's a meal. It's a table. It's a banquet that has been provided by the groom. He is already, before their marriage is even really getting off to uh, getting going, he's already providing for her. He's already feeding her. He's already uh, uh, sustaining her. And can I just say this? We've already been bragging on the Lord tonight. Let me just add to it just a little bit tonight. I want to tell you something. Man, God is taking really good care of us. I don't know about you, but I I feel like every single day he marches me into his banqueting house and he takes care of me and he sustains me. Every day is a, is a feast uh, daily at his banqueting house. In fact, if it wasn't for him putting food on the table, if it wasn't for him providing money to pay the bills, if it wasn't for him providing a roof over my head tonight, listen, I wouldn't have anything at all. I am absolutely bankrupt. I am absolutely in poverty without his sustaining hand and his blessings on my life. And in that fellowship, you get to enjoy the provisions of God. I don't want to get away from Him. I want to stay close to Him. You know why? Because He gives really awesome stuff. Somebody say amen right there. Man, He gives good things. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. Amen. I want to stay close to Him because, man, He's got provision for what we need. And so we see that there is provision in His fellowship. When we fellowship with Him, He takes care of us and He provides us. We get to enjoy His blessings. And then I would say not only that, we find provision in this fellowship, but also I notice there's passion in this fellowship here in our text. 
Their relationship was characterized by love. I love that phrase at the end of verse 4. His banner over me was love. That was the characterization of their relationship. Some have suggested that as she marched into this banqueting hall, there would have been flags, banners over her, and they would say love. She is loved by Him. He is loved by her, and that is their relationship. And I, I tell you, that ought to characterize our relationship. There ought to be a passion inside of us. There ought to be a love inside of us. I love Jesus tonight, and I hope you know that He loves you tonight and we are in His love. And then, verse 5, this love is moving her on the inside. She says, Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. You know what she's saying right there? As she's sitting at this table and she's glancing over at her groom, she's glancing over at her man, she starts feeling a little sick on the inside and it ain't the stomach bug and it ain't COVID-19. Somebody say, man, right there. Man, she's got them butterflies flying around on the inside. She said, somebody bring me something to drink. That's the flagons. Somebody bring me something to eat. That's the apples. She said, because I think I'm going to be sick. (laughs) I tell you, love will make you feel some crazy stuff. Can I tell you something? I feel sorry for those of you in here that say you're saved, but you don't ever feel anything on the inside. Now listen, we don't go on feelings. But I feel sorry for some of y'all. You say you're saved. You say you've been saved by the grace of God. But man, you look absolutely miserable. I'm going to tell you something. You need to get real back close with Him. You're far away. And the further away you get, the more miserable you'll be. But if you will get up close to Him and get where He's at, I'm going to tell you something. You'll start feeling something on the inside. Amen. It's good. There's passion. I love it when a relationship has passion. That's how a relationship ought to be. Not some stoic, cold, melancholy, I mean callous, hardened, all kind of, I mean just, uh, just stone face all the time. I tell you, there ought to be some passion in our fellowship. Amen. See, the provision in this fellowship, the passion in this fellowship. She's feeling it on the inside. And then I want you to notice in verse number 6, there's the position in their fellowship. Verse number 6, man, it's getting a, little, getting a little spicy right here, ain't it? His left, these are the kind of verses that always kept me away from the Song of Solomon right here. Just a little, just a little too uh, lovey-dovey for me right here. But His left hand is under my head. Where are you at, Wes? Come here, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. If you weren't at the youth meeting the other night, you don't know. His left hand. <laughs> I use Wes as an illustration. I put my left hand under his head and... But he told me not to do that again, so I'm not going to do that. All right. I did it just to embarrass him. He said, his left hand is under my head. His right hand doth embrace me. You say, what in the world's going on right here? I'll just say it this way. They're really close. Amen. There's a closeness. There's a, they're, they're drawn closer. You know those Middle Eastern tables. It's not like your dining room table or the fellowship hall tables. They'd be low to the ground and on these pillows and reclining. And they have gotten closer and closer and closer together until they are in a full-on embrace of one another. Right in the middle of this reception. <laughs> a lot of things I'm going to say right there, but let's just keep it going. Closeness. I'll just, I will ask this. How close are you to the Lord? There is a closeness that ought to characterize our relationship with the Lord. It wasn't him sitting on one end of the table, her sitting on the other end of the table. They were close together. They were embracing one another. I'm going to tell you something. That, man, your, your life with Jesus can be that way. 
you can draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to you and you get closer to him and he gets closer to you. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. And there is an embrace that is taking place, a closeness. But here's what I want to get to tonight, just for a few minutes. I got this thought on my heart, verse 7, really. There's provision in the fellowship. There's the passion in this fellowship. There's the position in their fellowship here. But I want you to notice the protection of their fellowship. Verse number 7 is where my, my heart is tonight. This bride gives a charge to these daughters of Jerusalem. And pretty much what she's saying in verse number 7 is, Don't disturb us. Don't disturb him. Do not interrupt our fellowship. Do not interrupt our closeness. And she looks at the daughters of Jerusalem and makes them swear that you stir not up nor awake my love until he please. The only way that I want him to get up and the only way that I want us to be separated is if he wants to get up and leave. I don't want anybody else to mess up. I don't want to mess this up and I don't want anybody else to mess this up. And there was a protection. She was guarding this closeness. She was protecting this closeness to make sure that nothing in the world messed it up. And can I tell you something? If you're going to get close to God and if you're going to stay close to God, you are going to have to guard that with all of your being. You are going to have to prize it. You are going to have to protect it. And you are going to have to count it as the most precious thing in all the world. And everything else comes second. And everything else comes behind. And everything else takes a backseat. Because your closeness, your fellowship, your relationship with God is the most important thing in all the world. Because I'm going to tell you something. There are a million things that are trying to sabotage your closeness with God. In fact, the worst thing you got going on trying to sabotage your closest with God is what you look at in the mirror every single day. Your flesh does not want you to be close to God. This world does not want you to be close to God. The devil does not want you to be close to God. And you're going to have to protect it with everything that you have. Because it is a delicate thing. Your closeness with God is a delicate thing. And it can be interrupted. It can be disturbed. It can be broken at any moment. These words that she speaks are in protection of their closeness. Protection of this fellowship, she was not going to live haphazardly. You know, see, some people, they could care less, or they couldn't care less, however you're supposed to say that, about their fellowship with the Lord. That's not what they think about as they make decisions in life. It's not what they think about as they go through life. They don't care if they're close to God. They don't care They don't care if they're fellowshipping with Him. They don't care if they're in line with God. They don't care if they're in tune with God. They don't care if they're in fellowship with God. They could care less. His presence, take it, leave it. His closeness, take it, leave it. His fellowship, take it, leave it. It doesn't mean anything to them. God help us. I don't want to be a part of that crowd. I don't want to be a part of that crowd that can have God or not or can take His presence or not or can be close to Him or not. I want to tell you what, I want to be a part of that crowd and it feels like they're about to die on the inside if they're not close to God. I want to be one that prizes His fellowship and is willing to literally protect it at any cost, no matter what it might cost. You've got to protect it if you're going to keep it. 
haphazard living, loose living, carnal living, fleshly living, will interrupt your fellowship with God just like that. Things you watch. Listen to me. Listen to me. Things you watch. Grieve the Holy Ghost just like that. Things you listen to can grieve the Holy Ghost. I'm already, I think I'm already jumping to point one, so let me just go ahead and give it to you. If we're going to treat this fellowship with God delicate, if we're going to protect it, there's three issues you've got to think about. Number one, I'm going to call this it's the issue of sensitivity. The issue of sensitivity. And we've got to know that God, the Holy Ghost, our fellowship with God, it is a sensitive issue. Brother Blue used to always teach us, preacher boys, he said, the Holy Spirit is the most sensitive person in your church. The Holy Spirit is the most sensitive person in your life. Do you know, you know how kids are so different? You know what I'm saying? If you've got more than one kid, you understand kids are different, aren't they? It's amazing. Even with the twins, they, they, they come out at the same time. But they, they couldn't be any more different in a lot of ways. I'm not going to tell you which one is which, but one of them, I mean, you got, you know, you can beat her all day long. She don't care. Katie. <laughs> oh, Clara, you just look at her. You just look at her like that. Let me cry. I guess Katie took most of the skin, right? She's thick skinned. Didn't leave Clara with much. You know somebody that's just sensitive, you can just, just look at them and they'll cry. You ain't got to pull out a belt. You ain't got to pull out a paddle. And then some, you got to beat on them for seven days just to try to break their will. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Amen. That's, that's the way they ask. The way they act. I'm going to tell you something about the Holy Ghost. He's sensitive. Any motion of sin, any volume of rebellion... Your life will interrupt your closeness with Him. And that's how she speaks. I'm actually going to start kind of at the bottom and then work my way up in verse number 7. It says that, that you stir not up nor awake my love. Obviously, in this, in this fellowship that they're in, in this embrace that they're in, this closeness that they're enjoying, he's falling asleep but somehow. And she looks up at those daughters of Jerusalem, and I'll talk more about them in just a second, but she looks up at them and says, Don't you wake him up! You wake him up, I'm going to slap you upside the head. She is enjoying that closeness. She's enjoying that fellowship. And she doesn't want anything to mess it up. And she knows that just the littlest sound, just the rattle of a dish, just that just the, somebody raises their voice, somebody, just anything at all. And what if, what if God, I mean, God forbid, that he would wake up and decide that he wants to get up go somewhere else that sensitive that sensitive it's like a light sleeper somebody that how many of y'all are light sleepers raise your hand any, any little thing how many of y'all go sleep through a tornado most people are like that light sleepers don't wake them up think about and I, I told this when I was preaching the message the other day but you know having a baby in the house that's that's having a light sleeper in the house. Don't wake up. I've had on many occasions had to remind our children 
because we're loud, especially my girls are like daddy, and we're loud and we, we yell and we holler. We come into a room mouth first and we just start screaming and hollering and I have to remind them, don't sleep. Y'all don't say that at your house. You would if you lived at my house. <laughs> That's all I got to say. You change your mind on that word real quick. Don't wake up the baby. She, she brings into bear here, brings into mind the hinds of the field, the rows. You know what that is? That's deer. That's what that is. That's dope. You hunters know when you go hunting, you got, and that's, one, that's another reason, that's, that's reason 1,473, I don't want to go hunting because you got to be quiet. And I don't want to be quiet. How many of you, when you go, you, you're careful where you step. You don't want to break a twig. You don't want to, you don't want to crackle a leaf anywhere. You know why? Because you got to be quiet. And then you crawl up into the stand at 4 o'clock in the morning, and you got to be quiet all morning long. I don't want to be quiet all morning long. But you know why you have to? Because those deer are what? They're sensitive. Anything will scare them away. Scare them off. I'll tell you, if, if I, wish, I wish tonight we could think about our relationship with God like that. How many know what it's like to get close to God? And it just... I don't know. I think about, you know, being a young person, I think about all the times going to youth camp. And I think about, uh, you know, getting close to God, repenting of sin, getting right, getting my heart right, away from all kind of stuff for a whole week. And I love it. It's right. I plan on going to youth camp every year for the rest of my life. I like doing it. I like unplugging. I like detaching. I I like getting away from all that, just focusing on my relationship with God. Let God convict me and speak to me. And get close to God only to get home and you know, maybe turn the TV back on. Just, just some old attitudes and old acquaintances and little things. And you know what that does? It starts, starts raising the noise level in my life. And there's things that aren't even sin. It's not even a sin. But they're just, can I say it like this? They're just. They're just loud. They're, it's not a sin. There's no, I couldn't give you a verse and say, this is, this is wrong, but I can feel it in my spirit. It's just volume. It's noise that begins to separate my fellowship with the Lord. I wish tonight we could realize how sensitive that relationship is. You know, the Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. We talk about that all the time. We use that word, quenching the Holy Ghost, grieving the Holy Ghost, anything. I don't want there to be anything in my life that grieves the Holy Ghost. How many of the Lord ever, I mean, just, just pricked your heart and said, you need to go down to the altar, or you need to testify, or you need to give this piece of money to that missionary, or you need to, you need to pass out this track, or you need to witness to that person, or you don't need to go there, you don't need to say that, you don't need to wear that, you don't need to do that, you don't need to think that, you don't need to watch that. You don't need, see, anybody else got the Holy Ghost trying to run your life on the inside? And every time we go against that, we grieve them. Have you ever tried to have a relationship with somebody that's grieved? It doesn't work out too well. They withdraw. Maybe you, you understand some of that in a marriage context where 
How many of y'all know there's things that you can say to your spouse that'll tick them off? I know what to say. I know how to say it. I can make that woman mad at me anytime I want to. I'm so good I can do it even sometimes when I don't want to. That's how good I am, y'all. That's a skill right there, folks. There's things I can say or I can say it in a certain way and I know that just grieved her just a little bit. And now there's a, there's a rip. I found out real, I found out real quick. I'm going to embarrass Heather while she's not here. That's, that's brave of me, ain't it? Of course, she might be watching online. but uh, I remember when we first got married, my house, uh, the house I grew up in, and I thank God for my mom and dad. They raised me in church, and I thank God for that. They raised me, raised me in a good way. But I'm going to tell you something. My mom, I hope she's not watching either, but uh, we just, we just loud. That's how we were raised. We yelled and hollered at one another, and we, didn't, and we would yell and holler and scream and fuss at one another, and then literally three and a half minutes later, we were cutting up and having a good time. We just didn't, I mean, we'd, yell, we'd get it out, holler, scream, somebody throw a toaster, and then it's over. Everything's good. We're all good now. Me and Courtney, oh my soul. Man, me and that girl would just, I mean, blood vessels popping out of our veins. You know, and, and my dad, and I'm, I struggle with stuff like my dad as far as a short fuse and stuff like that. If I, I mean, God help, have you ever tried to, have you ever tried to hold a flashlight for your daddy or trying to, you know, bring me the, 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 the fidget wizard, you know, or whatever. And I don't know what a fidget wizard is. And I'm trying to find something to bring to, and you know, man, if I bring the wrong thing, boy, what you stupid boy, what's wrong with you, you know? All right, I probably need a therapist, probably. Well, that's just the way, I swear. But it didn't matter. Four seconds later, we're all fine. Everything's all right. That's just, the way, that's just the way I come up. Good or bad, right or wrong, that's just the way it was. We hollered and screamed and insulted one another and then loved on one another. Uh, but my wife, I'm telling you something about Heather, she wasn't raised that way. Her daddy is one of the quietest, meekest men you'd ever meet in all your life. Very quiet. Very quiet. Now, he's, he's stern. He's tough. But he, he mumbles and just real quiet. And Heather gets that. That's the way. That's where Heather gets all that from. Her mama, my mother-in-law, bless her heart, she, she'll talk a little bit more, but she's not, she's not that you know, chatty as far as on the scale of chattiness of some mother-in-laws. Amen. So there's just a quiet home, just a little bit different. I remember when we first got married, I can't remember what we were doing. It seemed like we were moving a bed or moving something, moving out of the way. And I don't think she was doing it just right. Or maybe I don't even remember what happened. And I remember I just did what we always do. Somebody messes up. Somebody drops a corner. Somebody, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? Get this right. Come on. I don't remember what I said. But I raised my voice and I said something not nice. Oh, Lord. It took four years for her to get over that. I bet she still hadn't forgave me for it. I shouldn't even have brought this up. I'm going to be sleeping on the couch tonight, what I did 15 years ago. And I could tell she cried. She just busted out. I mean, just busted out crying right there in the house. I'm like, what? Was it, was it something I said? <laughs> you, know what? you know what I found out being married to that woman? She's a little more sensitive than what I was used to. So you know what I've done? Now Now it's just second nature, you know. After almost 17 years of being married, I'm just a little more sensitive. 
I'm a little more, I try to be, now I don't do it all right every time. But I, I don't do like I did when I was growing up. You know why? You know what I found out? I didn't care if Courtney got mad. I found out I do care if Heather gets mad. <laughs> I care a lot more <laughs> about that. And so I'd have to be careful what I say. Not just what I say, but how I say it. You know why? Because any little thing, and I might, you know what? I might, there might put a wedge. There, our closeness, our fellowship. You know, she might be sleeping on the other end of the, I mean, way over there. I didn't want her way over there. I wanted there to be some closeness in our relationship. I'm going to tell you something. You're going to have to think about that with your relationship with God. There is a sensitivity. Can I tell you something? Don't grieve God. Don't quench the Holy Ghost. At the slightest, anytime you feel just the slightest bit of, bit of distance, interruption, between you and God. You better get that fixed. You better get that right. There's the issue of sensitivity. There's the issue of superiority in that text. Because here she looks at, and I'm going to give these last two, real, last two to you real quick. She looks at, you see that first part? I charge you, O ye daughters of Jerusalem. I don't know exactly who these daughters are, whatever. But most people agree they're just kind of maidens that would be in that banqueting house to help serve. Uh, she was probably assigned a group of young ladies that would, you know, prepare her clothes and maybe her meals and do kind of things for her. I mean, she's the king's, king's bride, so these would be kind of a, a group of young ladies. She's not from Jerusalem. She's from Shulam. She's an outsider. She's an out-of-towner. So no doubt when she comes into town, she wants to fit in with these girls. She wants to be popular with these girls. She wants to be liked by these girls. She wants to be accepted by them just like any young lady would want to be. You want your peers to accept you. You want to be a part of the group. You want to be a part of the crowd. But when she got close to her groom, she had no problem at all. Three times in this song. She had no problem at all looking at those daughters, looking at those women, looking at those other girls and saying, I like you, but I like him more. I love you, but I love him more. I want to be liked by you. I want to be accepted by you. But I want to be accepted by him more. And you're going to, listen, if you're going to stay close to God and fellowship with God, listen to me, you're going to have to figure out what's more important in your life. Is it bitterness and holding on to unforgiveness? Or is it him? Because you can't have both. Is it hatred and malice? Or is it him? Being close to him. Who's more superior in your life? Who's more important in your life? Is it that ungodly music you're listening to? Or is it him and fellowship with him? Because you can't have both. Is those ungodly television programs you're watching that grieve him? Or is it being close with him? Because you can't have both. Is it the world? You know, because the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. They're, they're, they're just, it's just two things. You can't have both. You can't serve God and money, mammon. You can't have two masters. You can't have two close fellowships. You can only have one. 
And you're going to have to make up your mind who's more important, what's more important. Is it them things you look at on your cell phone or is it closest with him because you can't have both? Is it gossip or is it him because you can't have both? Come on now. What's more important to you? And she made a decision right there. She said, this closeness with my groom is the most important thing going on in my life right now. She, it's an issue of sensitivity. It's an issue of superiority. And then it's an issue of severity. I'm going to use that word severity. That just simply means serious, seriousness, something that is that ex- extremely sharp, extremely serious. Because of that word she uses at the very beginning, I charge you. You're going to have to get, so she got serious. A charge is a command. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an order. I charge you. And it is an issue of severity. You got to get serious about this thing. You will not haphazardly stay in fellowship with God. You got to be so serious that you're willing to look at your sin and say, you're not worth my fellowship with Him. You got to be so serious you're willing to look at yourself and say, pleasing you is not worth my fellowship with Him. You got to be able to look at this world. Guys, you might have to look at your closest friend. It may be your family. I thank God for good friends. And I thank God for good family. I'm going to tell you something. There ain't no family member. Blood is, I mean, blood's not thicker than water when it comes to when it comes to uh, this thing of being close to God. Some, some, there's parents that have sold out their relationship, their closeness with God just to please their kids. And you have, you have revealed your priorities to us. We know what's more important. It's, family is more important than your fellowship with God. There's some people, they sell it out for a job, they sell it out for money, they sell it out for paycheck, sell it out for family, sell it out for a friend, sell it out for a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and you with your life, you have revealed to everybody what your priorities are in your life. Your fellowship and being close to God, it would be great, it's nice, but there's things that are more important. And if you're going to, that's why Jesus said, listen, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. You know what that is? That's severity. That's getting serious. If it's your hand that offends you, cut it off. You've got to be willing to part with whatever is closest to you because you realize it's hindering your relationship with God. Don't tell me you're serious about being close with God and you're not willing to look at anything, anybody, anywhere, anytime and say, I love you and I'll always be here to help you. But my relationship with God is the most important thing in my life and you or nothing else is going to hinder that. That's getting serious, ain't it? That's where she was. And this embrace with her, the love of her life. And she said, this is so good. This is so sweet that I don't want anything to mess this up. And would to God, would to God, we viewed our closeness, our fellowship with God just
standing together all over the building this morning.